What is up, everybody? It is Tuesday, September 6, 2022. This begins with last week we started, but this is going into my fourth season of uh, podcasting football coverage. Which, and so <coughs> anybody remembers, I used to do my show on Tuesdays. We call it the Tuesday Aftermath. So shout out to the ex Tuesday Aftermath and my old pal Max. Spent some time with him this weekend. He still is fun and crazy and loves football as much as ever. But I've got uh, Mo Murphy from Up in Flames, my partner at Off the Ball Network. Mo, how are you tonight? What's going on, bro? I mean, you know, it's easy to clear up the schedule to talk college football with you. Like, this is awesome. We went the whole summer, did no shows together, really didn't do anything. So it's easy, like... I'm here every week if I need to be. Like this is just easy hey, stuff. Happy to hear, man. I couldn't be happier. So, uh, like Mo said, this is our college football reaction, our wrap up. We're not going to break down every game, every play, every minute. We're not going to focus on just the big games. We're we kind of take it from how we see it as college football fans. You know, the, the what, what what stories were important to us. It's it's a very it's a personal show, but I think I think we get a better show that that way so um again uh check out authorballnetwork.com for a ton of great content going on over there a lot of football shows ramping up nfl starts this week uh things are going to go bananas uh, I, I can't say enough again go check out all, why everybody took the summer off us football guys and we were out learning playing disc golf and camping and drinking beers Couch Coach Live absolutely destroyed it. He he yeah. had a, he had a great summer. He 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 was the hardest working man in podcasting. So anybody that's listening, go watch go watch his stuff. Go listen to his stuff at Couch Coach Live. And of course, please, um, you know, just we're just asking. Do us a favor. Subscribe to Off the Ball Network's YouTube channel. All this stuff is on there. Again, we have a bunch of stuff coming up. Means a ton to us. You know, if you can just hit that subscribe button, uh, we really appreciate it. But without further ado. Mo, let's talk some college football. So I don't even know how to start this. Do you want to just have the high state discussion, then we can move on? Is that how we want to do this? That's fine. Yeah, we can knock that out real quick because we're going to either start it or we're going to get into it somehow, some way. So let's okay. Here we go. So Mo is a huge high state fan. I'm a huge high state fan. Um, you know, again, I do the Buckeye remix every week. If you know me, so me and Mo is going to take five minutes here. And and it's it's not like it's ill advised. We're not maybe next week we won't do this. Hopefully, for Arkansas yeah, State. But it was the biggest. It was. I mean, I said it last week. Biggest game I said in the history of the shoe in my lifetime, outside of a outside of a Michigan game or you know, most Big Ten games. Any and um, it, it, I think it lived up to the billing. The first thing I'm going to tell you, Mo Murphy, my biggest knee jerk reaction was. And I'm, I'm hard on them all the time, and I'm always negative on our home field advantage here in Columbus. The crowd showed up. Uh, towards the end of the first, when you know Notre Dame took the lead, our offense was stalling. There was one moment where all I could hear was Notre Dame chants, and I got really upset. I might have thrown a beer can. I might have lost my, 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 my shit a little. But all in all, the second half, the crowd was there. They were in scarlet. They were yelling. They were screaming. Uh, it was very positive vibes. Uh, it felt like they were aware of the situation. It felt like they were confident, which I, I thought that's what I felt from the crowd. So I just want to first and foremost shout out to the Ohio State home crowd. Uh, you guys did a great job over the weekend. I doubted you. I'm here to apologize. I was wrong. So, Mo, knee-jerk reaction to high State game. Give it to me. Well, just speaking to the crowd real quick. Ohio State planned for this all summer, and I'm going to tell you why. They put all these five-star and four-star recruits 
on the same field on the on the same sideline as LeBron James, Jason Tatum, Ezekiel Elliott, Justin Fields, and the and the whole t- like most of the 2002 national championship team, and everybody else in history that you could put on the that sideline. We put all those five stars and four stars. So Ohio State was planning for this all summer from a recruiting perspective. I mean, they, they got LeBron. They called LeBron personally. I think LeBron yeah. was going to this game. But they called LeBron personally. They knew this was going to be the game. They were going to have the most recruits, show the most love. Like, So from a crowd perspective, like I think that's going to win us over some recruits. Uh, they've all had positive things to say. So that's going to be something to look at. And some of those guys that were there, that have like Ohio State in their final five, they've been crystal ball to Ohio State. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that think like that had a huge influence. I mean, you put a 17-year-old kid around LeBron James, like and Jason Tatum. Like, I'm sorry, but if you would have had Michael Jordan on the sideline to these 17-year-old kids, wouldn't have been that big a deal. But LeBron yeah. is is the the god of, of athletes for these 17-year-old kids. So that was a great recruiting pitch. But the game, I couldn't ask for a better. Result. I didn't want to go out there and score 42 and give up 35. I didn't as exciting of a game that would have been in an instant classic and would have been on ESPN the next day because it was must see. It would have been the same Ohio State team as last year. And we were hoping that, you know, the addition of Jim Knowles, which I want to point out, it's not a coincidence that Ohio State's defense holds Notre Dame to 10 points and Oklahoma State gives up 44 points to Central Michigan because Jim Knowles leaves. So uh, you're not the I've I've I noticed that. Um yeah, whatever he I, is defensively, he lived up to it because that I'm sorry that just doesn't happen in the same week. And, and you tell me it has nothing to do with each other. And I was wrong on Stewart's show. I said that I didn't care about coaches leaving for the first year and I was totally wrong. Jim Knowles vacancy had a huge effect on who I have a possible playoff contender in Oklahoma state, which I got to go back and think. So now I'll just, I'll just update that. I'm not doing my uh, playoff uh, rankings this week. I don't see the sense in updating them this week because of all the lopsided games and stuff. So Mm -hmm. just if anybody's wondering, it's probably going to be every two weeks. And then when we get into the heart of the season, I'll really start looking at it, but I'm not going to sit here and Nick nitpick. We know Utah's dropped down. We know Notre Dame's dropped down. Things like that. Oklahoma State's going to drop down, but I'm I'm not doing them this week. So next week I'll I'll update the uh, standings after we've got to see, uh, you know, a couple more games. We got to see we'll get to see Alabama play a yeah. team that's in uh going to be in their conference. So 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 another first question about the game. We talk we talk about the defense. Uh, High State's defense. What I I'll tell you what I liked is that it they did stuff. And I know that sounds so simple, but you can add, like all the experts have said today on all the shows, the podcast or whatever, they're like, that's the first time Ohio State's basically did much more than a base defense, you know, base cover two or something in a long time. The second half of that game, they completely strangled Notre Dame. And I keep saying that because I, I'm this guy. Do I believe that Notre Dame is the fifth best team in the country? And I'll ask you a question pertaining to that here in a second. No, I do not but they were ranked that way going into it. So I have to look at it from that standpoint. All I know is the second half of that game, they had no chance to score. They they didn't want to be on the field. They were just trying to get out of there without giving up more points. They played it safe, all the above. And when I saw like Ohio State's defensive line going into these odd fronts and shifting and and you got Harrison dropping into coverage, and then we're, we're actually getting sacks out of a middle linebacker. Eichenberg had two sacks. This is stuff that I haven't seen in years. And I know it hasn't been that long. We won a national championship like eight years ago. Mm-hmm. 
we're spoiled, but still, like that was my most gratifying thing was just to see the movement on defense, and it really, it felt like Ryan Day for the first time had his focus on one side of the ball and actually trusted the other side of the ball. It felt like he, it, I've, I've always felt in the years past that he was too torn, he was too worried about like I gotta go score, I gotta go score, and it, and it, it actually I said today on the remix when you have a bad defense and you play these games, like it actually narrows your offensive playbook. It doesn't open it up. Like everybody thinks Ohio State's playbook's wide open when they're scoring 70. I don't think it's that case. I think in games like this, when you're not as concerned, the other team scoring every five seconds, I think that's when you open up your playbook because guess what we did? We ran a ball down their throat and scored a yeah. touchdown. It, it, it took seven minutes. I don't care. It was a great seven minutes. It was a great drive, and it ended the game. So like – that opens your playbook, but but thinking if you fumble the ball, the other team's going to score in thirty seconds. That that narrows it down. So I just I, I just felt Ryan Day was comfortable and trusted his defense. I was, uh, and, and if anybody knows me, I'm I'm going to say straight up, I was pleased with the outcome. I was furious during it. I was throwing stuff. I was cussing. I was giving it the whole business. I apologize. It was it was a it was a it was a good solid <laughs> victory. And anytime I can beat Notre Dame, like I just want to be clear how much I dislike that team. Yeah. Um, so that felt good too. Yeah. And then just, you know, before we move on, like to me, the biggest thing that if you're an Ohio State fan, you'll understand, but anywhere else, like it's probably not that big a deal. Josh Proctor got benched that game. Yeah. Like yeah. And nobody's really, you know, nobody's talking about it because it's probably, I don't think he's benched for the season. I don't think it's permanent. Uh, you know, he is coming off an injury, but I know they were asked about it and like he made two mistakes. And Jim Knowles kind of was like, I've seen enough. So for me, it's like, okay, he's making everybody accountable regardless of the status that you have in the program on that side of the ball because we know how much it hurt losing him last year. So he has high value on that defense. But two, it goes to show like if you don't trust who's backing him up, you don't make that decision. You just constantly dig into him and tell him to be better. But you think that you're deep enough that you could put your backup safety in there and think that he was going to make some noise. So those were the two things where I'm like, okay, he's going to hold everybody accountable. But, you know, he said he's got six different pass rushers and all of them are going to play. We're going to rotate them. So everything that we've heard all offseason came into fruition outside of the expectation of the offense. But like everybody who's covered this game um, Monday and Tuesday and given a reaction, nobody's holding Ohio State to 21 again. Like it's not gonna happen for the rest of the year. So, and, I, and if we no. give up ten, I don't care. Like, yeah, that's if my we whole win point. Twenty-one to ten every game, except like Arkansas State and Toledo. Like, we understood, need to understood. Week. But the games, like, if we win, beat Wisconsin twenty-one to ten, and we beat Michigan twenty-one to ten, and we come out of Lance East Lansing with twenty-one to ten, like, I'm fine with that because that means our defense is playing great, and we know our offense is a volcano waiting to explode. So, yeah. I'm good with the way we won. Only thing I hate is I just wish. I could have seen some more meaningful touchdowns. And like we said, because we play Arkansas State and Toledo. And so those are two games that you kind of you sit back, you watch, you casually have a cup or two. But it's nothing to get all hype for. Like, that's not a game that's, you know, Ohio State's yeah. going to handle business. I'm not worried about us struggling. I'm not worried about JSN playing or not. Like, we have plenty of weapons. You've seen a Mecca Buka step up. So I'm not concerned about that. I'm just concerned about, all right, now we need to put up a lot of points on bad teams and get it over with and get ready for Wisconsin. And so I hate those 
two tune-up games back-to-back. I really do. Yeah, we talked about that. I would rather have it flipped and play the big game the second week. Uh, yeah. That's for any team. Just like you, you brought up the Alabama-Texas game. That's awesome that that's next week. But then again, that's just how it's got to be scheduling-wise. My, my takeaway, and we'll move on here, uh, they – they knew ex- they knew what Notre Dame was going to try to do coming into the game, and they beat them at their own game. They beat them in every category. Uh, they didn't get sucker punched. What I didn't want to see was them come in and get ran over again, and then have to say, "What did you do all summer?" Like I knew, like I knew what Freeman's game plan was going to be. How did you not? But that that's not what happened. I thought CJ made a concentrated effort to not risk the ball. Um, you know, I know there's a discussion about his stats. I don't care. Uh, he, I think he played a winning football game. Um, I still think he's a kid that, like I said, again, on the remix, um, he's got some growing to do. He's not perfect yet, but no interceptions, no no fumbles. He made huge you know, third down conversions. Uh, and when they, when Notre Dame took a couple risks, he punished him twice for two touchdowns. I don't know what more you want. Um, I do. I, if, I think if, uh, JSN doesn't go out. I think they score another touchdown. Which, if you now you're telling me we got an 18 point victory, it's we're having a whole different conversation. I, I do think that, but I but I also think that it was a um, it'll be as long as he's healthy, it'll be good in the long run that they had to deal with adversary right off the bat to yeah, a good, to a good defense. I think they held their game because Ryan Day. You know, when it comes to RT, I pay attention to things a lot more, and so Ryan Day like admitting that losing JSN rattled us. Yeah. Goes to really goes to show me that we were going to rely on running the ball, big plays from Smith and Jigba, and, and keep it moving. But you said it best on Buckeye Remix, and we talked about it pregame. But you said it best. Notre Dame played not to get blown out. Yeah, Ohio absolutely. State played to get the win and get out of there. Yep, like that, they played the win, beat the number five team, and live because that's going to look good on your record. And they still value the way Notre Dame played because they only dropped them to eight. So yeah. it's not like they're like, oh, Notre Dame was just this horrible team. It wasn't the Oregon situation. So <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're the fifth best team or whatever, but there still was a little value in like it was a quality win for Ohio State. And I know everybody has a problem with them dropping the three. Part of me thinks Ohio State should have been number three starting the season anyway. I don't think we should have been. I agree. We talked we talked about the rankings. I think they actually kind of corrected the rankings this week. We yeah, we, we said it on our show. I hate I hate preseason yeah. rankings. Yeah, we the reigning champ. Like we shouldn't have been disrespecting them. And then you seen yeah. like they. And I'm not saying being put at three is the ultimate disrespect, right? But you're the reigning champ. You did lose a lot of talent. It's all replaced. You got some transfers in. You still have the same quarterback. And so for like Ohio State lost a lot of talent, especially on the offensive yeah. side of the ball. You lost two of your three best receivers, things like that. And but because you still had C.J. Stroud, J.S.N. and company, and you. We bring in Knowles. We got credit for that. Bringing in Knowles. Don't even know what the defense was going to look like. Yeah. The expectation was Ohio State is going to have a better defense than last year, so they're not going to be the same team. They're number two. They're clear-cut number two. And then Georgia goes out and handles business. I think it was partially Oregon was overrated. They had Bo Nix at quarterback. Let's just be honest. But also, <laughs> like I think it was a statement game. Like I do think Georgia being number three and not being number one Gave them that extra juice. I, I'm gonna be honest. I think they probably feel like they should be considered the best team in the country. They're the reigning yeah. champs, and they got the same coach, same quarterback, and a lot of some of the same weapons. And yes, they, they lost a lot, but and they showed it. And those three tight ends, I've never seen three tight ends like they that. Were, they were awesome, Georgia. Yeah, yeah. We'll just move on to what we're talking about here, uh, Georgia. But to come in again, an arbitrary number three. The, the the preseason AP rankings mean nothing, but they are a number that they put up there. And Georgia, 
it was as dominant a victory over a quality opponent. That's all I'll say about Oregon right now because I don't know how good they are, but I know that they're get they're definitely a top twenty five team throughout the season. And Georgia, I mean, they never blinked. They did whatever they wanted. Oregon was completely dumbfounded. It was never in question. Georgia, Georgia, I said this, Georgia's a complete team. Like Georgia's ready to play now. They would have beat anybody in the country. They, them and Alabama would have fought on Saturday because Georgia's just ready. Uh, they were completely ready. They, they, there was no question marks. Bennett played better than he did last year. That was an impressive, uh, impressive like victory by Georgia. Yeah, yeah it, they just die. And he's yeah. the guy, you know, I always talk about it. Like we talk about Stroud and Bryce Young, and I'm not saying Ben is going to be the number one pick or anything, but you know, when you talk about the draft, you always talk, we hear about Rattler and Stroud and, you know, all these guys, right? And then we know like, Every guy, there's always somebody that we're not talking about that comes out of nowhere and has an amazing Heisman campaign type season. And because I think you wouldn't consider Stetson Bennett coming out of nowhere, but like, mind you, this was the guy who got them to the national championship and they still were talking about like he shouldn't start. Yeah, who should play? No championship game. Like they still were leaning with with JT Daniels, right? So they were still leaning that like if Daniels has come back and ready healthy, they didn't believe him. He won the national championship and people still are like oh. over Ala- over a good Alabama defense. Right. So I still think like everybody's like, okay, maybe that's the question mark with Georgia is how good was Stetson Bennett? Well, if he didn't answer that question on Saturday, then yeah. you know, he could be that guy. Like if he plays like that all year, who's to say it's not him, Stroud, Young, and said other player sure. in, in New York, you know, at the end of the year. So yeah. I do think he played, he, he played a great game. I mean, like, what did you I, I don't know what the expectation was, but he played better than I thought. I knew that they were I did. There's there you go. I did not expect that out of their offense. And I'm not saying that I didn't think they would score, but I thought it would just be like they would just bowl over them, get out of there with a 30 to nothing beat. I did not see that coming as far as what they did with their receivers and and the tight end. You know, like you said, the tight end game they got going the on is three headed monster. It's, it, unreal. It's, that is almost like it's really in college football, that's hard to defend. Uh, impressive. They're they're without a doubt my best team. Like right now, I'm not. I don't, I'm not even gonna call them number one or whatever. I just think they're the most ready team. Them and Alabama were pretty impressive. So, on the other side of that, just take a quick second. That's a bad. That's all. That's still a bad loss for Oregon. I don't want to hear like, well, Georgia's great. That's fine, but you can't bring in a new coach and bring in a transfer quarterback. I, and, you know, and then start, you know, Bo Nix and then get absolutely just manhandled like that. Like uh, you just can't. That's a that's a bad look. It leaves a bad taste in your mouth. You're in the Pac-12 to where you got to fight through the season anyway. And and now you got to now you got to overcome that. St- when it gets to the if it would get to the end of the year, it's going to be really hard for Oregon to get past that that eye test that mm-hmm. we saw. Um. So that they they were one of my losers for the week. What's what's another one of your winners for the week? What's a what's a what's a team you had had a great win? Uh, Arkansas. Like, cause yeah. I, I watched that game from pretty much beginning to end. What happened was I missed most of the Georgia. I missed pretty much all the Georgia Oregon game. I wanted to start watching that Cincinnati Arkansas game just because I felt like I was going to be tuned into Georgia for the rest of the time. Sure. By the time I went to the Georgia game, it was fourteen. They was fourteen zero, and they were about to score again. So I'm like, okay, I can fully focus on this game. Uh, I think that was a good win, right? Like, we didn't know what Cincinnati was going to be. They're a good team. Like, Cincinnati is a good team. Yeah. I, I was a little surprised just because I didn't know 
who all they really had because I know who they lost and they lost right. some pretty much playmakers everywhere. Um, but when I watch Arkansas, like that was a game that if they give up, they get disrespect. Like they're counted out for the rest yeah. of the year. So now it boosts up having to play Arkansas later for Bama or AM or whoever has to play Arkansas, whoever's on their schedule. But they needed that win. Like, I think to be respected, they got the respect of being ranked preseason. But just to validate that, they they needed that win. And they got it done. And K.J. Jefferson, there's, there are so many great, like, quarterbacks that I just like watching. Like, it's not yeah. about Seisman winners. It's not about what you go do in the NFL. Like, just enjoying the sport of college football. There's a lot of great quarterbacks that are just exciting to watch. Like we talk about, we'll, we'll talk about it later. But one of the games this week to watch, like there's two exciting college football quarterbacks that are going to be playing in that game. So watching KJ Jefferson, like people say, it's disrespectful to compare him to Cam Newton, but he's Cam Newton like Cam Newton esque, not yeah. the next Cam Newton. And it's like the way he can move, the size that he is, the strong arm, like. Yeah, it's everything that Cam Newton was, just maybe not to the level of it. Cam Newton took a bad team and won him a national championship. But like when you just watch him, like that's a guy who maybe could even find his way in the NFL here that get an opportunity, be a backup, get cut by somebody, have a spot somewhere else. Like he could just be one of those guys who he's not a journeyman because he doesn't really play, but he finds himself on a roster. Like when I watch him, I'm like, he can be on an NFL roster, yeah. even if he's your backup for the rest of his career. If Josh Dobbs can be still on an NFL roster, then so could KJ Jefferson when True. it's time. So watching him is always, if I get an opportunity, there's certain guys where throughout college football where I'm like, if Ohio State's not playing, I want the opportunity to watch some of these guys. And even there's a couple of those this week. Yeah, I had Arkansas on my short list too. So I'll go the other side, but I'll give you one of my losers. And it's not a big deal, but Cincinnati. And it's not because how they lost. It's not because they got embarrassed or anything like that. It's because, you know, they came off a season to where, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, they had to fight for their ranking all season. They had to justify everything they did. And of course, they get boat raced in the playoffs. And, you know, whoever people like me who doubted them all season were, it was a C told you thing. So immediately off the bat, the next, what do they get? First game the next year, they get a shot at an average SEC team. And so I think like if you want to overcome the stigma of like you don't belong, that was a good opportunity. If they beat Arkansas, who people gave a lot of credit to, yeah. that would have been a great win. So they lose. So now they go, they're going to go to their regular schedule, you know, and and nobody's really nobody's, I'm not saying they're not going to be good, but they they lost the they just lost the wow factor. People just aren't going to pay as much attention. They they're going to get dismissed. So I thought it was a, I thought it was a bad, bad loss appearance wise for Cincinnati in a game that it could have went the opposite. I mean, I don't care if you're if you're Cincinnati, you knock off any SEC school, you know, you're going to get credit for it. And they, and they couldn't. So just it's not it's not the end of the world. But I think it kind of puts them on the back burner. So you know that's I'll take the other side of that game for one of my. Uh, my losses. I'll give you one of my winners. Uh, our our president, Chris LeBron, brought this up in a good week for Florida schools. And I know you don't want to talk about it because I know you don't. You dislike it. Everybody. Florida Gators. Florida yeah. Gators had a good Saturday. Florida yeah. Gators had a good Saturday. Florida State had a good Saturday. Uh, Miami, you know, Miami took care of business, but Florida schools they had did a good what they were supposed to do. But I thought that was a big win by Florida because again. 
Utah, well, Utah's a quality team. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know where they're going to end up, but they weren't like way overranked. And Florida beat them. I know it came down to the last play, but you're talking about new coach coming in, uh, moving on to a different quarterback. I, Richardson just was you just talked about quarterbacks that are fun to watch. I mean, this guy's as fun as anybody in the country to watch play a football game. You said it best. I don't care who they're playing or whatever. I'll tune in. Like, I'm in. You know, so Florida, and they're, you know, they're in the SEC. So now, like, you keep winning the SEC, you're going to move up quick. I think already in the AP 25, they went from unranked to, did they jump to like 12? Yeah, they're 12. Yeah, and I think if you re-rank, it's fair to do, like, based on they beat Utah, and yeah. in, you know, they, so they've got the opportunity now. They put themselves in the opportunity. I don't know what's going to happen down the road. They got a you know w- one of the games I'm watching this weekend. Obviously, is Florida Kentucky, but um, you know, but but a good week. Florida State knocks off LSU on a crazy game. I thought uh, uh you know, one of my bads is LSU. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can't lose a game that way in your first game. You got a coach that nobody likes. You're fighting for get your reputation back. Uh, that you weren't that you weren't a fluke a couple years ago, and then you come out and you know lay an egg like that. So yeah, yeah good job for Florida. Star wide receiver, like that yeah. was the biggest news of your game was that your star wide receiver projected top ten pick was unhappy. He got what four targets. Now, granted, he did drop. Yeah, an important pass, but I mean, when you have a receiver like that, like you got to force feed him the ball, like especially when you know he's your playmaker. Like, and I think Jaden Daniels, I, I think he played solid though. Like he was back there running for his life. Uh, that yeah. offensive line really isn't that good, so it's not an indictment on they don't have a good quarterback. He's one of the guys who, throughout the past couple of years, I would turn on Pac-12 after dark and watch Arizona, absolutely. Arizona to watch Jaden Daniels. So I'm real familiar with watching him staying up late on a Saturday and watching that game. But it's and then to lose on a block like, <laughs> like and now everybody. What I hate about that is now everybody wants to be like, oh, we should have went for two. Like if Brian Kelly had went for two. And didn't play to go to overtime and miss the two point conversion. He might oh, be run out of town already. Yeah, they would have killed him. Like they would have wanted him fired. He's on the hot seat. He's gone. He played it safe. Played to overtime. He. They just marched it down the field. They just took a lot of momentum out of Florida State by scoring a touchdown. You might have them going into overtime, but you don't go for two and give them that win. So I'm not mad. I'm like, with you. I don't. I don't cool. ever want to see my team do that. I know it works out sometimes, but you just take. I just takes the opportunity off the table. I don't agree with like, you know, you kick that extra point. They did it for North Carolina. Like when they did it against North Carolina, they went all in for the win. I'm like, go to overtime. North Carolina ain't stopped you all day. Like, and just real, was that not game of the year? Like, do you see a game being better than that North Carolina Appalachian State game? Because I'm calling it game of the year right so now. So I'll tell you now, I'll tell you now, one of one of my winners was just that game. Um, I know, and again, I'm you know, I'm good friends with a huge Appalachian State fan. I felt terrible for the loss. I know how much that town loves their team, but man, they put on a show. Um, you know, nothing to be embarrassed about. It was crazy, it was fun. Everybody in the country was glued to the TV for the last two hours of that game. It was unbelievable. You know, great for the state of North Carolina. Um, it, it was just fun. So, yeah, I, I consider that one of my winners of the weekend. That was nuts. It's that tough to nuts. see a game, especially the way it ended. Like, it's going to be tough to see a game outdo that. Now, I get it. There's going to be, you know, I don't know, Georgia plays Florida, and maybe that game's 35-31. So, the big brands, the ranked teams play. But when you just – you just love football and you sat back and watched like that game got into the 60s on both sides and 
like Appalachian State was up 21 to 7, get 35 unanswered points scored on them. They're down 42 21. They come back, score the touchdown, have 40 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they go for two and then they don't get the two point conversion. North Carolina runs the kick, onside kickback. Why? It's got to be over, right? Like at that point, game's got to be over. Yeah, this you never like. No, no offense, no offense to the to, to the kid that ran it back because I honestly missed it because after they missed the two point conversion, we were moving on to our next spot and I'm like, oh, this game's over. I get to the yeah, next spot. It. Keep in mind, five minutes later. Both teams had scored a touchdown. And yeah, I'm like, it's going for two. Like my dad had <laughs> yeah. turned the game off after the onside kick. And so I'm watching the game. I'm talking to him on the phone. I'm like, Dad, Appalachian State, Appalachian State just scored. He's like, no, there's no way. And I'm like, no, I, I am dead serious right now. Like they just scored. They're going for two to possibly go into overtime. And it's like you could tell North Carolina planned on running that onside kickback because usually when they onside kick it, the front line goes back, protects the guy back there who's going to yeah. try and get the ball. They all ran forward. It was, like a rugby. it was like rugby. They ran forward and attacked. That oh, I'm just going to be honest. There's there's every chance that North Carolina just didn't know what to do. After watching their defense for that fourth quarter, yeah, there's a good possible, chance that it, it was, was just a, and it turned it was out probably right. a mistake. They've laid, I've never seen it, – it's been a while. I can't even think of a time. Somebody could probably remind me, but I've never seen where everybody just gets laid out on an onside kick like that, and it yeah. gets taken back. Like, I've seen a couple onside kicks get returned for touchdowns, but those are like mishaps on a missed tackle yeah. after the recovery or the ball slid and gave a guy an opportunity to have an open field or something when, when everybody's going for it. But just to like basically plan on, we're going to maybe it wasn't the plan, but for everybody to lay each other out. There's the, there's just the, stat, of the, there's the stat, of, stat of the day from Chris LeBron. Uh, that was a higher scoring game than when they played basketball last year. <laughs> that's, it, but it was like, that's a basketball score. Like in the six, now I know it's not modern day, like today, you know, we're yeah. seeing 80s, 90s for, but still, like if I told you, hey, this team won, you know, 65, 63. Oh, that's, oh, that's basketball. basketball. Like, oh, there was a scrimmage. Like, no, that was a football game. Like, that but, was a- uh, but, but, you know, Appalachian State's a, a quality team. North Carolina's not. We might talk. I might. I'm, I'm going to give the ACC a couple minutes here in a second. But, um, but, but a fun game. Uh, another comment from Travis Mitchell. Uh, he's, he's down in, he's down in LSU country now. He's from here, but he's down in LSU country. How does Florida State? you know, basically screw up that game. They did have it in hand and Florida state almost blew the game too. So both coaching staffs, but you'd rather be, you'd rather almost blow it and win. So um, what's, what's another winner you got Mo? Um, It's, it's weird, but I say USC um, because PAC 12, the two PAC 12 teams ahead of them lost. Yep. Um, and then on top of that, like they handle business. Like you're you're trying to yeah. see what the Lincoln Riley era is. They had three pick sixes. I get it. They play rice. They don't get full respect, but it's like those type of games you don't get respect, but you get disrespected if you don't win sixty six to forty. That's, that's exactly right. So that's how I look at like even with Bama, like, okay, I don't care that Bama won what fifty five to zero, but at the end of the day, like they won fifty five to zero. If they had won thirty one to fourteen, we're like, uh oh, they struggled against Utah State. Yeah. You got to go out there and handle business, and that's what a team like USC did. And I know Stanford's not a great team, but they get to kind of get their first test. It's a it's a Saturday night game at Stanford. We know in no matter what years it's been, even in their premier years, like that's a game that Stanford gets up for and could upset USC. Well, isn't that who ruined USC's? Uh, was it oh? Let me get this right. Oh three. 
I think it yeah, was it was, it was Stanford. Stanford that ruined yeah, it, right? When USC, you remember when USC played Penn State in the Rose Bowl, like what three, four years ago, uh, when Penn State won the Big Ten, and, and USC was able to sneak in there. But Stanford had ruined the fact of them being a one-loss team. Remember, they were a two-loss oh, yeah. team, and then they lost. They lost the third game in the Pac-12 championship, but because they were ranked higher, they got to play in the Rose Bowl. Uh, or they didn't make it to the Pac-12 championship. Uh, Washington beat somebody, and because they got ranked higher than this season. They were the ones that got to go to the Rose Bowl, but Stanford was the one that gave them their second loss and kind of made it like, oh man, USC season's over. Like we thought they could be a one loss yeah. team. Win the Pac-12, the brand is back. They'll make the playoffs, you know, because nobody like, so that year is, I think Washington made it that year too and got stomped by Alabama, but yes. that was when, that was when we uh, thought. I don't uh, want to talk about that year. <laughs> no, but that was, that was when we thought like USC might be back. Like, you know, yeah. things were looking on the upside. So, that that's game, my thing with you, too. That's what it's it's a it's a trap game early on, but it's also a test where if you blows out Stanford, they're only nine point favorites. So if they go and blow out Stanford, like okay, this team, this yep. team for real, we'll see what they do in the big matchups. But when you survive a trap game and handle business, which is what something I'll probably be looking at for USC. But I mean, to yep. come out there and steamroll and Caleb Williams play almost perfect, their defense played amazing. Like they did what they were supposed to do in the first, the debut game of Lincoln Riley era. And some of the new head coaches didn't do that. Yep. Uh, so you got to give them credit when credit's due. It's not like they let Rice put up 50 points and had a, you know, a heck of a game. Like, no, USC went out there and handled business. They're ranked number 10. They're going to play a quality game this week. And they put themselves into the exact position they want to be in, and they jumped the two teams in our conference ranked ahead of them yeah. week one. And I'll throw Utah in the same thing I said about Oregon. Um, that's a tough loss. It's not going to be held against them as hard, except for Florida's not going to have as good a season as Georgia, so they may weigh that in the end. But the fact of the matter is, I and I said it in my rankings, the teams need these launching pad games, and mm-hmm. Utah dropped the ball on that. They could have... If they, if they beat Florida, they really just because it's you know you know how it is, man. It's the name, it's yeah. the the conference. Utah really would have put themselves in a great position. They had to have that. Um, their path to the playoff now is I know it's crazy to talk already, but it's just so much more difficult, especially knowing that you know USC is coming and and stuff like that. So kind of a kind of a bad week for Utah, especially the way they lost it on you know you know on, on an interception and you know when they when they could have won the game. So that's really all I had for uh, you. Got any more winners or losers you want to talk about? No, I mean no, not really. I mean we the winners are pretty obvious for the most yeah. part, and then the losers is you know like you said LSU. Uh, Utah, the Pac-12, the, the, big, the, the Pac-12, the big brands that that lot, you know, LSU, uh, yeah, they're the only, they were the only SEC team to lose, I believe. Yeah, they were. They, the SEC yeah. went what? Seven. SEC had a good week, and I will say this about the SEC: it wasn't all, it wasn't all, you know, just on paper. Like they they had some quality victories. The Utah's a quality victory. The Cincinnati's a quality victory. Uh, yeah. you know, Oregon is a quality victory. So they they again they, the conference. I tell you who won. I mean, Georgia, Alabama won again. Like they are in position. Like they just got to win out and they're in the playoffs. And they, yeah. and rightfully so. They look great right now. And um, one of them are allowed to lose to each other too. That, it absolutely it does not matter. You're 100. percent And you know what? I'm not even sure I argue with it at this point. It's early, and we're having an early yeah. reaction. If they're both undefeated in the SEC championship game, and they lose a close oh, game like they did last year. They're both. They may in. shake hands and they may shake hands and forfeit that game. I don't even know why you play it. Just I said that last year, but that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. Um. So an- another quick question, then we'll move on to week two real quick uh what did what was your overall what did you learn from this from the weekend like what was your just overall takeaway um outside of the fact college football fans don't think logically again for 
the 20 of something year of my life. Uh, no, but I mean, what I learned is it's still the same teams that are dominating. It's still, I think going into week two, my week one questions, I still think I have for most teams. Um, I think some questions were raised with Utah or whatever, but I think still like with Clemson and their quarterback situation, like I still have some questions. I'm not on the bench DJ train, but I'm still on the, like, he has to look better than what he looked like against Georgia tech. He had a bad first half numbers wise. He didn't, but you, if you watch the game, you understand what I'm saying. First half. Yeah. And then, but he looked great or not great, but he looked good enough in the second half, but good isn't good enough. And then like, even just watching that game real quick, Put, I don't think Klubnik should have went in there and threw a single pass. I I, I kind of blame Dabo for that because he looked really efficient and looked really well in the one drive that he had. And boom, there goes the questions right there. We just had to watch a half of DJ struggle. We only put 14 points. And you put him in there and let him run a whole drive. I, I did have yeah, a why plant that seed. Um, yeah, you, you planted I, that seed and had to address it and felt like you didn't need to address it. You did it. I'll be honest. I didn't catch that until you guys brought it up in the chat room. And then it hit me that you were right. I watched it. And I'm like, oh, man, a kid looks good, whatever, because I watch Clemson kind of sideways. Like, I don't I don't hate them because I respect what they've done, but I also yeah. don't care. But I, I kind of watch them. They might be the one really good team that I watch completely not very emotional. So I was watching it. I'm like, okay, defense looks really good, especially for an That's ACC defense. Yeah. They, 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 they're fast. They're strong. And I said the same things about DJ. And then the kid, I'm like, all right, okay, they've got a backup. they got a choice. And then I saw you guys talk about it, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Now Dabo puts himself in a pinch. You know, he, he's – and this is what I said, just toot my own horn. I said, Dabo's the one guy that's against the transfers. He's against all this, what's happening, the current – you know, state of college football. So now you've got a quarterback that stayed there and you pride yourself on your player staying and then you undercut him. I'm like, now you've, now you've got a problem. Like now you can't practice what you preach. So um, I didn't pick yeah, up I on that. They should have been like, that was even like just my biggest takeaway is the way he talks about it. Like that stood out to me is like, and you put this kid out there yeah. to show his talent instead of like, y'all should have just been running the ball, punting. They weren't coming back. Like, run the clock out like yeah. everybody else would have did. We, like, you know, you ever notice, like, Ohio State doesn't – when our backups come in, we don't put their talent on display. Not that there's really a you know, starting quarterback, but we'll go through three quarterbacks and just let – we put the running back talent on display. We might let them throw a pass or two, but Jack Miller, when he had came in uh last year, when he was coming in a couple times and – uh, Kyle McCord, like we weren't putting their talent on display except the one time when Kyle McCord started the game. Uh, but outside of that, like we just run the ball and get the game over with by the time they come in. So we don't even raise those kind of questions. I feel like Dabo shouldn't have done that. Like I yeah, just, yeah, you're, you're right. And most, don't most know. don't. Saban doesn't do it. And, and again, I don't, it, this is what I like about it. I don't care that Dabo did it just because I'm not emotionally involved. But I think I agree with you that. It might be the wrong decision. I know the other side people are going to say, "Hey, if DJ can't handle it, so what?" But I, th- I, I think, think we're, we're don't deserve it. It's a fragile situation anyway, and yeah. you don't want to you don't want to lose that. Um, so I uh, will see. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, they don't have a super tough schedule. They got some uh, big games, and we're going to talk. And, and my games to watch coming up are going to talk about one of those teams. So my biggest takeaway was. I, I kept thinking and thinking. I was like, "What I noticed was," and I know this sounds stupid, but I really noticed that like coaching staffs 
matter. Like you look at Florida, man, they they look like a better team already. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just kind of more with it. Um, you know, you've seen the difference in Ohio State. Like they were settled down. They look like a complete coach team now. Um, you know, of course, Georgia is, I don't know, they might be the best coach team in the country. Their players are so technically sound. Them and Alabama, it's like, oh my gosh, like everything they do is perfect, especially Georgia's defense. My goodness. So that was just kind of my takeaway. It's like, man, if you get the coaching right and then you get good players, like you're a good team. Like you're yeah. just... Oklahoma State turning around from being a defensive powerhouse to yeah. a typical Big 12 team yeah. in a matter of losing the defensive coordinator. USC, better off, USC already better. Yeah, um, expectations have risen in USC because Lincoln Riley yeah. already, but, you know, you got to see the talent perform on the field. And now, like, okay, USC is a team that, you know, they're bringing their brand back. It's going to take this year to do that in some of those big games that they have, but they started on the right track. And like I said, I mean, Oklahoma State went from – the best defense in the country to literally a typical. And Oklahoma looked good. We're used to. Oklahoma yeah. looked good with Venables as a coach. So it's like, that was just my thing. It's like, man, if you get it right on coaching staffs and, and combination of players, like you got a chance. You got a chance. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Another one, uh, like Chris LeBron, University of Miami. Honestly, it, they that was it was a better coach team. So now you put yourself like, Okay, now we have a chance. Now we can just work on the X's and O's, and we're not always worried about like mistakes and what are we doing wrong. Like, yeah, um, you know, we we know it best with high state last year. That was a mess at defensive coaching, an absolute mess. So, you know, that that was just my thing. Is like, man, coaching really does matter if you get it right. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was our takeaway. So now we'll we'll talk about week two here for a second. Let me uh, let me do, we'll do a little graphic here. Get that off there. Um. So what what are, what are the games you're watching this week? It's not a great schedule like it was last week, but I think I kind of need a breather and some sunshine. I think I'm going to go disc golfing, relax a little bit. Hopefully I do not have to sweat out on a high state game. Um, so I'll, I'll start. I'm watching, I'm watching Texas, Alabama intently. Yes, I know Alabama is going to win. I have no doubts about it, but I want to see how Texas reacts to Alabama because I've seen a lot of good teams play Alabama, including my own, and I know what you can look like up against them. We saw what Oregon did against a great team last week. I want to see how Texas responds to that, and I want to see how Alabama, how they approach a big name game, but not a tough game this year like i always like to see how teams approach that uh, we saw what georgia did last week they did not play it safe then we saw what notre dame and ohio state did they played a completely different game not that it's the same level but so i'm watching that game kind of i'm watching that game closely just to see how both teams react and kind of gauge where texas is how about you what well, you got this coming up this week yeah and just to note that real quick is like you know alabama's used to playing night games and 330 games it is a 11 o'clock yeah, it will be, won't it? For that Alabama-Texas game, it's in Austin, 11 o'clock. So that's going to be a little different. I know it's 12 Eastern. I know it's only an hour, but in 11 o'clock for teams that are used to playing at 3.30 in night games. Uh, just say it, Mo. Just call it the upset. Are you predicting the upset? No, no, okay. no. no, no, no. Okay. no. I'm just saying that something, maybe it gets to that's, them at first. But that is different. Business. Um, but that, that's what I mean about watching it. I'm just – just, yeah. Like, you just see how they handle it. It might struggle at first, but I don't think the struggle is like, I think maybe the first drive or two, they don't do what you expect them to do. I think they ultimately handle business, cover the spread, blow Texas out. I don't think Texas is really a good team yet. Uh, I'm looking forward to, I mean, there's three games that I'm really looking at, and it's all the ranked matchups. Uh, That Tennessee Pitt game, we talked about it. That's my game right there. I think 
there's players I like watching play. And Hooker is one of those. Hendon Hooker is definitely one of those guys. Like, I just want to watch him play football if I have an opportunity. And knowing that Ohio State going to handle business and I get to just genuinely enjoy football and not really care about it. No result yeah. really affects me uh, on Saturday, essentially. Like, maybe if Alabama were to get upset for some weird reason, then okay, there's a different conversation. But it still doesn't completely affect me because right. Ohio State still has to handle business. This isn't a conference opponent. I don't see nobody in our conference losing their game that matters at least for the rest of the season anyway. Uh, so th- I want to watch that one just because like, I want to watch him hooker. I think that Tennessee offense is exciting. I think that game, I like, ten- I, I like Tennessee's offense and I love Pittsburgh's defense. I want to see that Pittsburgh front seven is vicious. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they gave up what 31 against West Virginia too. Yeah. And they offense played like that came down. That was a crazy game down to the wire. Great game. I see a 38, 31 Tennessee versus Pitt. And that's just a quality football game. And what I think about this game to, to pinball off of that is I think this is a game that you got two teams. Both of them are trying to like take that next step to be in the conversation. So whoever wins this game is really in great shape going forward. Uh, it, they're basically the same team. <laughs> yeah. They're right there on the cusp of being good. They don't beat the great team. Uh, Pitt's, Pitt had a better year last year. That's disrespectful, but they don't always beat the, the best teams in their conference. This, this is the step that one of them can take towards like they're, we're in that that next tier of teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just looks different when you're two and zero, and rather than one and one, it just looks different. So yeah, 100%. that's that's my favorite game of the weekend. What else you got? Kentucky, Florida. I mean, another two SEC ranked teams. Um, you know, Kentucky was really considered the second best team in the SEC East prior to Florida handling business in Utah. Uh, Florida got a lot of respect for that win, uh, rightfully so. But to me, you know, sometimes I can't take like my NFL draft cap off like you're watching two NFL quarterbacks play football against each other on a Saturday night like what more can you want like these are top five to seven guys like people are high on Anthony Richardson people high on Will Levis so you're, you're watching two top five to seven quarterbacks entering the draft next year more than likely play and then you know these are Kentucky plays gritty football they have a good defense um Florida can Florida complete like how do you how are we going to look at I think the question is like how is Florida looked at if they beat Utah and then turn around and beat a ranked Kentucky team oh they're they're on the launch Kentucky being better I don't even care about the preseason ranking we thought Kentucky was going to be the second best team in the SEC East like we thought it was Georgia the Kentucky then Florida so if they win that game like not only do they have two big wins back to back so what kind of respect do they get there but then like how are you looking at Florida like is that a team that Georgia now has to worry about that you didn't think was we know Florida could play them good we know it's a rivalry but you got a great way to start the season I mean, a great way to they'll have they'll they I mean they'll have basically the best opening record of the season. They'll have two, yeah, being two, two and games under their belt. Uh, a huge launching pad for Florida. Yeah, it's a great. Florida game. gets the. You know what's crazy though is in that Florida they're both night games at the swamp. Like yeah. Florida got so they'll and it's not to take away from Florida. Like Ohio State has what like our first like five games or, or six of our first seven games are at home. Like we only we go to Wisconsin and we play at home again. So. Uh, but like Florida will get the two games that matter the most to start their season at home. And if they're yep. able to win, like we know what it's like at the swamp anyway, but that turns it into a more hustle environment throughout the season because now Florida feels like they could compete because if they win, they're going to be a top 10 team. Like they're, they're oh, going to yeah. be a top 10 team. There's going to be four SEC teams guaranteed in the top 10 at that point with A&M, Bama, 
uh, in Georgia and Florida. So, and now and Florida's it, atmosphere is like we could compete. We like and, we, we're up there with the best of the best. And right? They got Tennessee in two more weeks. Who it, let's say Tennessee takes care of business versus Pitt. They're going to be playing. They're going to have a shot at a ranked Tennessee team. Gonna juice and, the SEC and then they really, they really settle in. But Georgia's not too far down the pipeline. Then they got A and M. Just a tough schedule for the Gators. Yeah, but that's going to juice the SEC up. If Tennessee and Florida win this week, because I know if Kentucky wins, like that makes Kentucky look that high in a higher light. But it's still if Tennessee and Florida win, it's but if Tennessee and Florida win, and that for one that bolsters the SEC, but then two like. That Tennessee Florida matchup might be two top fifteen teams. One oh, of them I'm here for it though. Top ten, like yeah, I love to see that. But God, you know how much I hate the SEC. I do know how much you hate four, it. <laughs> four SEC teams in the top ten after week Wait, two. Here's like, here's a, stomach it. But here's the problem, Mo. Oregon and Utah had their shot to change. Like they just like yeah. Pitt's got a shot. Pitt's got a shot to change it. You know what I mean? Like the, the teams get their shot. Like they don't win. I I. I just there's nothing the SEC can do about it. They, yeah, Cincinnati, Cincinnati. We, we said that last week. Cincinnati, Oregon. Uh, you know they had their shot. Utah had their shot. None of them can get it done. It just yeah. is what it. Texas has a shot this week. Like if you're, I mean, if you're Texas, you're you're supposed to be Texas. Like give Alabama a run for their money, but they won't. <laughs> and yeah, then we're going to be stuck with we're going to be stuck living in this world. The, the Big Ten's going to go into their kind of kind of boring schedule for the next eight weeks before things get crazy with Penn State and Ohio yeah. State and all the you know heat up. And we're we're going to be into that heart of like every big game for five weeks is going to be whatever the best SEC matchup is, and that's just. It's That's just the world we live in. It's like, I, I just, you know, with having grew up in like in Florida and the SEC, but at the same time, though, when you look at it, like, hey, have your fun. These teams got to play each other too. Like, Florida. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. If you look at Florida and Tennessee, yeah. like, so you're going to have to see the, yeah, all of these teams. You're not, none of these teams if are Florida, really. If Florida, goes, if Florida goes through Kentucky, Tennessee, Georgia, and AM, they're going to be the number one team. In oh, the they're country. a national title contender. They, they're probably the favorite if they go through that schedule. If they go through that schedule. Even one loss. Like, if they make it one loss, like, I'm probably looking like Florida State's got to be considered. They have a schedule where if they get through it yeah. the way you need to, 11 and 1. Uh, undefeated, like you're a national title contender, and then you're that come out of nowhere national title contender, and that goes to show you that preseason rankings don't matter. So, what's your third game? You had one more. Oh, uh, BYU and Baylor. Um, yeah, yeah. Walker's gotten me on this BYU train. They're the favorite playing against number nine Baylor. Uh, it's it's a late game. It's a late game, and that's something to look at. It's a West Coast game at BYU. Baylor's the number nine team. Uh, it's actually, I mean, I know they're not Pac-12, but it's that Pac-12 after dark hour uh, in those hours where game actually matters. So it's like if you catch yourself up late 10-15 it starts. Yeah, so if you're, up Saturday, if you're up late Saturday night, like you're not going out, you're chilling, or you've been out all day and you're like, you know, what, I just found myself up late. Like there's actually a game worth watching that late at night to where you'd be like, you know, I was up till 12 o'clock watching football and it was absolutely amazing because there's at least one game you want to watch at each time slot all day. So that's kind of what I like. It's not a great slate, but there's at least one game I'm, I want to watch. But, from- but it matters because if Baylor wins, then they've, they've, they've cemented themselves in the, yeah. the playoff race and if, and BYU has to win. Like they can't lose a game. So yeah. it's just like kind of like Cincinnati last year, BYU has to win. So the game, the game matters a lot to both, especially considering Baylor's got to get through like what we have presume is going to be a good Oklahoma team. We don't know about Oklahoma state now. Like they don't want to lose a game early, put themselves out of the playoff talk for 
seven, eight weeks, you don't have to fight their way back. They can be a good BYU team and they're, they're locked in for the rest of the season. Yeah, so that's just that's one of those like to know that I mean obviously anytime Ohio State plays there's a game worth watching at that time slot. But even like Alabama, Texas at twelve, Tennessee Pitt at three thirty, uh uh Florida and Kentucky at the seven thirty slot, and then at ten fifteen at night or whatever. One of these one of those games is gonna be really good. And we're not, you know, we know there's more games and what they're gonna be exciting. We're just yeah, you know, these are just like again, these are from what we're watching, from what we're paying attention to. When we have this conversation next week, we might be talking about three games that were our favorite games that we didn't even discuss. And then shout out to Chris LeBron. He's watching Duke Northwestern this weekend. Uh, the IQ Bowl uh, is what I like yeah, to call that is it. going to be the worst game of football I ever watched. I don't care what the final score is. Hey, well, here's the thing. It won't be worse than Iowa last week. That's what we know. Iowa played yeah, the worst football, the, football game in history. Three at one point. Okay, like it was five. Two safeties three. and a field goal to get there. Yeah, seven. that was the worst. That's arguably, and that just, that sucks because it's like, you know, it's a Big Ten team and everybody, ah, pump, 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 pump. Yeah, so, you know, that sucked to see. But at the same time, like, I don't care if I was good or not. It doesn't change the the stature. Yeah, the Big of Ten, like, the Big Ten really doesn't start picking up steam right away. Their preseason schedules aren't great. Not a yeah, lot of so, unless Penn State goes to Auburn and like blows them out or something. It's really, it's really just seeing if a high state can stumble and then things start heating up. Yeah, you know, the once. Big Ten do- season doesn't start until uh, what two weeks from now yeah. when Ohio State plays Wisconsin. Like that's yep. the first premier matchup in the Big Ten. We're like, okay, the Big Ten season kicks off. Ohio State got a good W against Wisconsin. How does Wisconsin look in that game on how they'll fare against Michigan and Michigan Mm -hmm. State? So that's when those questions start rising, but that's, you know, two weeks away because I don't think Michigan has anybody nah, yet. Michigan has Michigan doesn't have they anybody. They probably play a week somebody in the Big Ten or something, but they don't have anybody yet. So it's like, yeah, it doesn't start until the kickoff of which, which is the downside. Like it's the upside and the downside of preseason rankings. Like it's fine if you've got that ranking and can hold on to it, but you you don't, you can't jump up like we're watching Florida do, and we're watching you know th- these other teams maybe can make a surprise. But it all I know that all works out in the end. But we're this yeah, is it all works. This is a week to week podcast. I don't want to be like. Hey, we'll see you week 12 and we'll discuss what happened. Like, yeah, like so we'll just we'll talk about it in week 12. Like it's one of those Ohio State drop to three and there's no chance unless Alabama loses. That's the only game I see. But I don't think they'll lose at all. No. I'm just saying unless Alabama, like there's no way. I no Alabama longer think that Georgia or Alabama can lose a game. If yeah, they keep I, don't, their, I don't think if, so. It, but if they keep their quarterbacks, that that's the truth. Yeah, I mean, same I thing for high State. No, same no thing major high. injury, but I just look at it like no matter. I mean, we could beat Arkansas State. Uh, oh yeah, that hundred and twenty to zero, and we're still the number three team. Like, there's and that's fair. Yeah. It's totally fair because it'll work. It, like you know, like they'll get their shot down the road to play better games, and you know, I'm not a. It'll work itself out because I don't like that because. Like you've always said, you prop these teams up and then you get credit for beating them. Then when they look back, it looks like you had a better season than you did. That's why I think that I'm kind of with Stuart Brooking. If anybody wants to you know, go to uh, the Morning Brew with Stu, he released his college football rankings today. Kind of with him about realistically ranking teams so you don't get that false prop up at the end of the year like yeah. oh they beat they beat number 12 like well yeah but number 12 lost their next three games they don't they don't yeah. always tell you the whole yeah. story so that's what i got there so hey that's it mo um it was a great week great opening weekend of college football uh mm-hmm. you know we take a bit of a dip this week but the storylines start building everything starts building uh it's gonna be a fun season uh thanks for joining me man i, I really really appreciate it yeah 100 bro always down to talk college football with you yeah, so of course everybody 
Keep up with OffTheBallNetwork.com, everything we're doing. Keep up with Mo Murphy from Up in Flames. Follow him. Uh, what, what's your uh, what's your handle on Twitter, Mo? I, I uh, at Mo underscore Cheese fifteen. Yes, yeah. So uh, I'll put I'll put a link in the the bio. Follow Mo. Uh, he's active on there. Great conversation. And again, like I said in the Buckeye uh, remix earlier. Uh, we love you guys. We do this for you. We love the participation. Thanks to Travis. Thanks to Chris. Thanks to my mom uh, for you know commenting tonight and participating. Uh, it, may, it makes it makes things so much easier and so much more fun. Uh, this was a great time. So hey, uh, enjoy everybody. Have a great week, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, Mo.